down, everyone. It's Ramon Mustafa. It's Ramon, And it's the Ends to Excellence podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, so today we have a special guest. Woo. We've got Kwame Pepper in the building. Jeez. Welcome, welcome. That's so special. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thank you for coming. Nah, bro. Thank yeah. you for coming, bro. We appreciate you. So, I mean, keep, keep it get selected. Thank still, you. So. Done, done, I appreciate done. it. Thank you. So, uh, for those that don't know, Kwame is a principal pharmacist and a non-medical specialist. Scriber at South London uh, Wardley NHS Trust. Um, he's currently responsible for leading the trust pharmacy services in Lambeth yeah. Borough three days a week. Yeah. Um, yeah okay, 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 okay. Um, he's also a visiting lecturer at the University of Hertfordshire Yo. and the director of Med Solutions Limited and also the founder of the Daddy Series podcast. Yo, 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 excellent, yo. excellent. So um, he was also awarded a part-time scholarship to do uh, an MBA. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Good. In um, Nottingham University Business School. So um, thank you for joining us that's on the dope. podcast, bro. No, thank you, my bro. We appreciate you. So, I'm telling you. So um, one of the first things we always ask our guests is, uh, what ends are you from, brother? Wow. You make me feel like I'm in pecking McDonald's or bro, something. Bro, that's how it is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's real life. You have to nah. rep. You have to rep the. Nah, I'm from Stockholm. Stockholm. That's how you know. Southwest. Okay, yeah. okay. Stockholm. Okay, cool. And um, what in what industry would you say that you're excelling in right now? Um, at the moment, I'd say healthcare, um, specifically psychiatry. Um, so that's what I specialise in. Um, so even though I'm a slightly pharmacist, um, it is a psychiatric hospital. Um, so it's one of the probably the most popular and world-renowned psychiatric institution in terms of research, yeah. uh, in terms of writing guidelines, yeah. um, in terms of referring patients which other trusts might struggle to treat. Mm-hmm. Um, so as well as management, there's also a clinical aspect to it Great. in terms of seeing patients, um, having an influence on guidelines, research and that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm kind of doing at the moment. Um, the other two days I spent um, prescribing um, and also I've got my company as well which again is in the healthcare centre. Um, so that's that's where my main focus is right now. Okay. Okay cool dope dope dope. So um so how did you like how did your journey start in this in this industry bro? You can go as far take, back take as you like. Back. Take you back on the day to Stucky. Okay. Mm. So um do you know what initially I wanted to be an electrical engineer so we're talking mm. school times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, as in as in secondary school. Yeah secondary okay. school. Um but you know what, I got into physics and I found it wasn't really my strong point. Mm. I didn't really like it too much. Um, my strength was probably in chemistry, maths, and a bit of biology as well. Okay. Um, so with those subjects, you know, when you're sitting around the table with your parents and they ask you what you want to do, you know, they're kind of pushing me towards medicine. Okay. To be fair, I wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> so what's your rap? So what's your rap name no, first? No, we're we're, we're going to get into that. Where's your rap name first? We're going to get into that. So, ah, cool. We'll get, get back and we'll jump a free start at the end, innit? That's cool. Yeah. So we had to be somewhere in the middle. And the middle ended up being pharmacy. But what persuaded me towards the pharmacy career was that at the time there was a demand for jobs. So obviously you're thinking about, yeah, absolutely to study something that I can get a job straight after, make some money mm. and you know, the word was, ah, you know, pharmacists get good money, mm. they get that respect, you know, in terms of like the culture that we're from, you know, yeah, yeah, my definitely. son's a pharmacist, like yeah. something to be proud of, so I mm. feel okay, do you know what, let me pursue that road, so literally, 
after my GCSE is when I went to college, uh, SFX, did chemistry, biology, maths. Um, however, mm. when you come from a boys' school and you jump into a mixed uh, mix school, yeah, yeah, yeah. college, there's a lot of distractions. Um, as well as, you know, you're getting older, and you get influences um, around you in terms of like where you live and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So, to be fair, in secondary school, I was a pretty good student in terms like, in terms of academic, yeah. like, you know, my, I'd say my grades were good, yeah. do you know what I mean? When I got to college, I started to dwindle a bit, started yeah, getting distracted. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, even though I wanted to be a pharmacist, like the grades weren't looking too promising. I remember, okay. I remember my form tutor like saying to me, yo, like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I managed to get some offers anyway for pharmacy, mm. but do you know what? I think I left it too late to focus on my, focus on my studies. Like, you know, you're spending time just doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Um, so I didn't get the grades that I wanted to get. Um, so I ended up going to Kingston for one year, doing pharmaceutical science. Okay. So, so what was that? Was that like a foundation year or was that like... Nah, so this was... Um, straight on. Yeah, this was straight on. So I was actually going to do a master's programme um, in pharmaceutical science. Okay. Um, which was four years. So where did you want to do that one in, in the beginning? Or was that in Kingston as well? No, so that was either going to be in De Montfort or, um, yeah, Kingston. Okay. So those two, so I, I'll get back to that. Okay. Those two, those two universities. Mm-hmm. Out, of, out of all the universities in the UK, <laughs> I picked those two. Yeah. And anyway, we'll touch on that later. <laughs> um, so yeah, went to Kingston, and in my head, I just thought, yeah, I'm gonna do pharmaceutical science, get a job in the pharmaceutical industry, and that's me. Yeah. And then um, the vibe in Kingston was just nice, like made friends, it was local. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, like, this is me. Yeah. So did my first year, and I did quite well in my first year. Um, so I was just like, yeah, cool, I'm going to go back. Um, my dad was like, why don't you cap, you know, the pharmacy degree again, yeah. see if you can jump on to the pharmacy degree um, after completing your first year of yeah. pharmaceutical science, because that, like that was like a common pathway. Very good I was like, nah, do you know what, nah, 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 I'm settled in Kingston, I don't even want to, I don't even want to cross over. He's like, nah, like, <laughs> consider it. So yeah. like, I wasn't even interested. Yeah. So he's took it upon himself to go and buy the newspaper, you know, they have like all the clearance yeah, spaces yeah, yeah. and mm. stuff. Oh, right. So he's like put that on my bed. He's like, you know what, just have a look mm. and then see what comes out of it. Yeah. If, if it's nothing, then you just go back to Kingston. Yeah. Right? What's, so, so to cut you, so yeah. I didn't actually realize that there was a difference. So what's the difference between pharmaceutical science? And so pharmaceutical science is industry-based. So okay. That's, if you do pharmaceutical science, um, your, your career is kind of limited to you know, pharmaceutical companies, right? GSK, yeah. Merck, yeah. Um, Pfizer. you know, Pfizer, um, Janssen, yeah. like you're limited to that kind of industry. Johnson Johnson. Whereas, yeah, Johnson & Johnson. Whereas if you do pharmacy, you can work in a hospital, cool. you can work in industry, you can work in community pharmacy. Yeah. Um, there's now other jobs as well in terms of like consulting, um, AI. So studying the pharmacy degree kind of broadens your opportunities. Yeah. Whereas pharmaceutical science, like your path is kind of narrow. However, okay. if you want to do pharmaceutical science, I mean, you know, the industry is good. Mm. Like it pays well. Yeah. Um, it is very competitive. Um, 
Yeah, it's, it's very competitive. Yeah. That that is a challenge in itself. Getting a job. All right, okay. Cool. So you can do the degree. Yeah, but get an actual job. Getting a job yeah, after. So there was a guy that I that was that I used to study with. He was on my course. Yeah. Finished these four years, got his masters. Yeah. But he had a part-time job in Greg's. Okay. So he finished his job. Couldn't get a job in pharmaceutical science. Mm. And he had to bang out hours in Greg's. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine like, yeah. being in university for four years. Yeah, you're you, you've done your dissertation. You've done your experience and stuff. Back to making um, fake makes, You see what I'm saying? Bricks um, bangs though. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, after paying three thousand a year yeah. for four years, do you know what I mean? Imagine. You're not trying to invest yeah, yeah, that yeah. money into becoming a manager or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your sorry, that's a tangent. So yeah, you put the newspaper in your bed. Yeah, so I called up, I remember calling up Portsmouth and um, Hertfordshire. Mm. And they were like, yeah, we'll take you. So I was like, well, okay. Um, come down for an open day, see if you like it. Yeah. Then um, just choose. So now I have two two offers on the table. Yeah. Um, so I think the plan was to go to Hertfordshire first. We went to the Hertfordshire open day and then we were going to go to the Portsmouth yeah. um, open day. We went to Hertfordshire and said, you know what, I like it. It's closer to home. Yeah. Plus I had a few friends there already yeah. so I just went with Hertfordshire mm. um, did my four years there mm. um, did my pre-registration pre-registration training year mm. after that sat my um, national exam and so was yeah. that part of the course yeah slow down brother <laughs> <laughs> so pre-registration national what okay. that please. so you have to do four years degree um, so you get a master's at the end of it okay but then you have to do one year training which is on the job Right. Um, and that kind of prepares you to work in practice, but also prepares you for the assessment that you have to take. Okay. So in order to become a registered pharmacist in the UK, you have to sit an exam. Right. 70% pass mark. Right. Yeah. So. So where did you do your assess? Where did you do your year of work? My year of training, I did that at Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Norwich. Yeah. Yeah. Was that easy to get into? Was that competitive? How was that? Um, hospital is always competitive. Um, it's one of the industries that a majority of students want to go into. Um, so it was very competitive. Not as competitive as it is now. Now it's very competitive. Um, but at the time it was, it was very competitive. And um, I think for me, what worked in my favour was that I did some summer placements um, during my um, years at university. Um, because I had a part-time job at Boots as well. Right. So that kind of worked so in my favor. Like yeah. yeah. Um, so I managed to get that. Would you recommend pharm pharmacy students to do that, always be in work in relation to... Yeah, definitely. But then working while you're at uni is another sticky as well. Yeah. Like, for me, if I could go back, um, I probably wouldn't have worked in university. Mm. Um, just so during that, university? Yeah, during university. Okay. Just so that I could maximize um, my university experience to get the most out of it. Okay. Um, but I would have still done the placements, like the summer placements yeah, and stuff like that. Um, because that boosts your CV, it, mm. it separates you from all the other students. Yeah. You know, there's like 120 students on average in each pharmacy school. And across the UK at the moment, there's about 24 pharmacy schools. Right. You know, so the numbers are quite high. Yeah. So how are you going to separate yourself or how are you going to stand out amongst all those other pharmacy students? Yeah. One of the ways to do that is by getting the experience. Mm -hmm. so, in hospital. so taking a step back, sorry to cut you. Yeah. Taking a step back, um, 
So after, so you've you've done obviously you transferred from Kingston to Hertfordshire. Yeah, yeah. And then so this is you'd gone jumped straight onto your second year, innit? No, I had to do the first year again. Oh, you restarted yeah, yeah, first restarted. year. Alright, cool. Yeah, so then after you've done the four years, mm. you finish your masters. Yeah. So then, you, like for the listeners who don't know, then you have to now reapply to go to another school for a year. Or is it no, training? Yeah. Or training? Training, yes. So, training so that's not funded by the university at all. That's no, you independently. That's you. You, you have to so apply you, for it. You can choose not to do it if you don't want to. Um, yeah, you can do if you don't want to, but then you won't be a registered pharmacist in the yeah. UK. So you okay. won't be able to practice as a pharmacist Great. in the UK. Great. So pretty much everyone that you know does the four years mm-hmm. pretty much does their yeah. one year training. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to do the four years? Because obviously most degrees are free. Is there yeah. a three-year version of it, or do you have to do the... No, you have to do four years. Now it's mandatory that you have to do four years. They're trying to even make it to five years, and basically what they're trying to do is make it like a sandwich course, okay. where you do that one-year training as part of the degree. But then that's more piece for you. That's not that's not a stretch. It's all a hustle. So is the training course, the one year, you have to pay for that one as well? So that's no, you get paid. Oh really? You get paid while you're on that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Obviously, you don't get the full salary. But, <laughs> yeah, you get you okay. get the um, pre-registration training salary. Okay. Yeah. So it's not so bad then. Yeah, no, no, it's not too bad. And for me, that one year, um, I would say, is what equipped me with the skill to work on the floor. Mm. I think a lot of the stuff you do in uni is very theoretical, mm. but that one year training, although it's one year, you you learn so much. Know that you're able to just apply those principles and those skills to your work and day practice, and I think that one year is key um, to you becoming uh, an efficient and an effective pharmacist. Okay. We'll, we'll go into what the things that you learned in that um, later on, but um, so after doing that, you do the exam. Yeah. And how was that for you? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, the exam was alright. No. Okay. Cool. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I remember maybe the exams in June so I remember back in April I said you know what let me put my head down focus and prepare myself for the next three months for this assessment and literally I just used to take out maybe like a couple of hours a day just to revise and prepare Mm. then I remember the week before the assessment I took that week off okay um stayed in Peckham library Mm. and just used to bang out the hours of revision and literally Everything I looked at in that one week didn't come up Math. in the assessment. The assessment was pretty much based on what I've learned or what I've seen throughout the whole year. Okay. So the, the assessment wasn't too bad. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. The pass rate was quite high mm-hmm. at the time. So I think the pass rate was about between 80 and 90%. And because of that, they've had to tie things up a bit. Yeah, they've made, they've made it a bit harder. Like at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Okay, cool. And is it like a practical or is it like a paper, multiple choice kind of thing? Paper. Um, so the first paper is two hours long. That's a maths test. Um, closed book. Um, so you do that in the morning for two hours and you have a, a break. And then you have another two and a half hour exam where you basically test your knowledge on things that you see in practice. So they will ask you questions about medications, mm. lines of treatment, mm. interactions, mm. And, that, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think, I think it's changed now. Mm. Um, I think the calculation test is a bit longer. Um, and then they kind of shortened down that. Um, the second paper 
I heard now that's even closer but before you used to get like open book so you could look at um, certain resources now it's closed book yeah they do give you some sheets like some supplementary sheets that you can look at um, but now it's closed book so it's a bit harder now I think the pass rate now is um, around the 70% mark Okay, cool. So passing your exams, doing the assessment, so then you're done. So what's the, what was the next step for you? Um, the next step for me was to um, find a job. Mm. Um, so at the time, um, if you wanted to make money, they told you contract, locum. Yeah. So um, I thought, you know what, I'm not necessarily going to go into like a, a fixed term position, yeah. even though there was like a position where I did my training, they had like a three year course um, where you could work and they would pay for you to do a diploma. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was actually thinking of going to Ghana okay. um, to also go and, um, you know, get some experience there and maybe see if I could register. Um, so I thought, you know what, let me locate, make some money, then um, I go to Ghana. <laughs> um, things didn't really go according to plan. Yeah, well, um, my dad passed, so my dad was yeah. my link. Ghana so literally I was gonna go stay with him um, but literally he passed like I think 10 days after I qualified wow. yeah so that, so that was kind of hard that was difficult so I said to myself do you know what the, the Ghana window is probably not for now so let me um, try and get a job here so I managed to get a job um, here in Chelsea Westminster Hospital they had like another three-year program where they put you on a diploma um, but you're also like a resident and rotational pharmacist so they have like a 24-hour pharmacy service so literally like you're doing nights um, you're doing day shifts and then you're also studying at the same time that was a mad experience mad experience I hated it at the time but now I realize it was probably the best experience um, I could have had as a pharmacist okay. because it just teaches you how to deal with things under pressure. You're literally like the only pharmacist from about eight o'clock, nine o'clock to the next morning. So any query, any medication supply, that's on you. So just being able to prioritize, you know, um, and just handle the workload for me, like, and all the other pharmacists that have been through that program, you can you can see the difference. Yeah. You can see how they're able to manage the workload. You can see how they're, you know, good with their time, efficient, mm. assertive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that for about 18 months. It was a three-year program, but I did that for 18 months. Because of that experience, I think it helped me to get a more senior position quite quickly. Because um, usually you have to wait three years before you can start applying for other roles. Yeah. Um, I just took a chance, applied for a role in mental health, um, and I managed to get that. Um, that's what I've been since. So how was that? So obviously you, you jumped from doing a course, mm. which kind of, uh, I guess it's, it's kind of like a, a, a teaser to how it is professionally. Yeah. How was it, the jump from actually doing it professionally? How was like kind of maybe the interactions with your colleagues? Like did you have to learn a new um, culture? Um, and obviously working, I'm guessing, what, Chelsea? Yeah, yeah. Is that, you have to kind of um, learn how to deal with a different type of patient? Okay. Um, yeah, there was there was a culture shock in, in the end <laughs> in Willich. Um, yeah, there, there was a culture shock um, in a number of areas. So 
when you're a trainee pharmacist, mm -hmm. obviously there are senior pharmacists. Yeah. So in essence, you know, they're responsible for any decision that you make. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you're a fully qualified pharmacist, yeah. the buck stops with you. Mm -hmm. So any decision that you make, you know, you have to be held accountable yeah. towards that decision. So the culture shock for me was wow, like the minute I sign this prescription mm -hmm. or hand this medication over, I've got to be sure that this is the right thing. Yeah. Um, so therefore I had to be, you know, um, let's say, I had to be a bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? Confident? Not necessarily confident, but... Do you think diligence? Yeah, I had okay. to apply my, my due diligence and just, you know, double check, triple check things, yeah. make sure they're right. Um, if I didn't know, um, you know, I had to know where my limitations were yeah. and be able to say, actually, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Right. Let me come back to you, look through the correct resources. Yeah. Um, so that was a shock in itself because when you're doing your training and your university, more time you can just, you know, go on the internet or you can ask someone, yeah. maybe like a lecturer or someone, yeah. and they can direct you or give you the answers. Whereas now, when, when you're practicing, it's different, you're expected to know these things, or if, if, you're, if you don't know it, then you're expected to look it up and come back with an answer within so was like this, 20 minutes. Was this like a, a hospital, was it? Or because when I when I hear see pharmacy, or when most people see pharmacy, you think it's an accountant, yeah, okay. No, this, this was in the hospital, yeah, this was in the hospital. So, um, in Chelsea, you spend part of your time on the woods, yeah, and then you spend part of your time in the dispensary right. where people would take their prescription yeah, and, and collect their medication, yeah. spend time in the HIV clinic. Mm. Um, spent time um, in a septic um, dispensary where they prepare like chemo and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so yes, you, you get to get experience in all those different areas. Yeah. And there's um, like culture shocks pretty much everywhere. Again, like the, the type of patients that you're dealing with, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, affluent patients who want their medication and they want it now. You know, people that know about the medication that they're taking so they're they're even asking you questions right you know you're your junior yeah, pharmacist yeah, yeah. you just qualified <laughs> but someone's asking you about the receptors that the medication works on right. about the side effects right. and that right. kind of thing do you know what i mean so again that was a shock to me because you're expected to know this stuff mm -hmm. like how can you be giving out medication you don't know yeah. how it works yeah do you know what i mean so for me it challenged me and, and made made me you know have to go back and read on things you know some people just do their degree start working and that's it yeah. but for me there was like an element of uh, continuous professional development mm -hmm. i always had to be on my game always had to read up on the medications that i'm handing out mm -hmm. because you can get asked a question at any time yeah um a lot of the time the, the the colleagues that you're working with there are different to the colleagues that you'd be working with in ends like where I'm working now, yeah. you know what I mean? Like where I'm working now, you could catch a lot of aunties and uncles <laughs> in Chelsea. It weren't like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, even in regards to the way you approach people, uh, you know, consultants like to be addressed as um, Mr. and then their surname, yeah. do you know what I mean? Whereas the consultants I work with now, they might just say, yo, they just call me by my first name, yeah. do you know what I mean? So again, that, that was a culture shock to me as well. Um, and then, yeah, I think when I got to Chelsea, I was probably like the only black pharmacist okay. or one of two. So that was a culture shock in itself for me and for them because they had their expectations. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So in terms of like just being on time, 
being organized. Yeah. And to be fair, I probably wasn't the most punctual and the most organized person when I first started. Yeah. Um, but I remember there was an Oriental girl there. Do you know what I mean? Like she was the closest to black. There was her and the one Asian girl. Okay. Um, they helped me pattern up and just made sure that, you know, uh, I worked to the expected standard and um, not fall into their stereotypes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I really, I would have thought, obviously, me being ignorant, I would have thought there would be a bit more Asians there, as in, because obviously when it an ends, mm. everyone who's in the pharmacy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. But for some reason in Chelsea, at the time when I was there anyway, um, there weren't many Asians. There okay. weren't many Asians. Um, obviously, there were more Asians than blacks, mm-hmm. but there weren't many. It was predominantly a Caucasian <coughs> workforce. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. But you say, this kind of stems off the question that you asked before. So, obviously, most people's perspective of a pharmacist is they're over the counter in boots or whatnot. So, what kind of things do pharmacists do that people don't realize? Yeah. I, I like the fact that you asked that question because sometimes people bring their prescriptions to hospital and we're like, yeah, the waiting time's half an hour. Yeah. And they were like, they're like, half an hour, what do you mean? Just get it off the shelf and give yeah, it to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not like that. So when you give us a prescription, um, we have to check for interactions, make sure that the, the dose and the medication itself is the correct medication for your indication. Um, because although doctors go through years of training, sometimes yeah. they make mistakes. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Um, sometimes they're not up to date with current guidance or current practice. Um, there could be something that they don't know about. So you might be on some blood pressure medication, for example, mm-hmm. and you've come in, um, let's say for gout, and they've prescribed a medication that might possibly interact with your blood pressure medication. Right. So we would ask you, are you on any other medications? Yeah. Whereas they're so busy upstairs, they might have forgotten that, and then we'll pick it up, have to contact them, recommend the alternative. Right. So um, there are two things that we do when we receive a prescription. Um, we check um, that the prescription is legal, um, in terms of like is valid, um, the date's correct, it's got a signature, yeah. the person who prescribed it for you is registered um, and then also we check it to make sure that it's clinically safe and therapeutic. Okay. Um, so it, it's got to be safe but it's also got to be able to work, mm. do you know what I mean? So we check that. Um, so how do you do that or is it just a database thing you just plug in? Um, so it is a database thing um, mm. which after a while it kind of sticks in your head yeah. so you know that okay when you see a prescription for let's say paracetamol yeah. at one gram Good. you know that's a therapeutic dose yeah. cool let it go cool. um, but you know there are there are times where you have to double check uh, yeah. certain medications especially you know some of those ones that have got a narrow therapeutic window yeah. um, so that's one side of the pharmacy role um, in the dispensary another side is when you're on the wards so you, you pretty much apply those same principles to the medication charts so for your inpatients, you go around the base, make sure that the, the medications that have been prescribed, um, again, um, it's, the prescription is legal, it's valid, yeah. and then also make sure that it's clinically safe and therapeutic. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because I could prescribe you 2.5 milligrams of a blood pressure medication. Although it may be safe, it might not actually work for Great. you. Great. Do you know what I mean? Great. So we um, would make sure that actually it's the right dose for you and the pressure, there's a lot of pressure on us to actually speed up or quicken your admission. 
now from a far, from a pharmacist's point of view we're supposed to optimize the therapy so there's a program called like medicines optimization mm -hmm. so we'll look at your drug chart and say okay maybe they've predicted that you're going to be in hospital for 10 days yeah what can we do to reduce that length of admission to maybe six days seven right. days because every day you spend in hospital costs the nhs about 400 to 500 pounds on average but guess what if we can reduce your level of admission by three days you save the nhs 1500 and sometimes you can do that through the, optim the optimization of medication so our role comes in there as well um, also counseling patients on their medication so when it comes to things like hiv yeah. and someone starting hiv medication for the first time you sit down with them uh, go through their medication with them let them know about any potential side effects same with um, medications and psychiatry so there's a lot of elements yeah, to yeah. it that you don't see or that people don't see um, they just think we just take it off the shelf and, and give it to them yeah. also there's also drug budgets yeah. as well so we've got to be in the back office making sure that the doctor who's prescribing medication stays within his his budget yeah. or the department stays within their budget so let's say they've got let's say the hospital's got a drug budget of a million pounds mm. and each consultant has got a budget of let's say a uh, hundred thousand we've got to make sure that whatever drugs they're prescribing for the year stays within a hundred thousand wait wait wait, wait. <laughs> bro that's fine yeah. so let's say my girl's on cancer in it and she needs a certain amount of drugs so that she can live and my guy my my guy's on you know nine pounds on the yeah. drug budget mm. so what happens so the budget for cancer medications it comes from a different budget okay. it doesn't come from the consultants now just because of the the, um, the kind of ailment and illness yeah, that it is, yeah, do you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's, there's a bit more lenience and obviously um, chemo is very expensive, more yeah, expensive okay. than your common drugs. Right. So literally um, that budget that a consultant's got yeah. for his medications can literally end from well, April to May, June just right. because chemo drugs are so expensive. Okay. Um, so there's actually a different pot okay, for, for those drugs. Um, but yeah, you have you do have to keep an eye on the amount of doctors spend. What happens if the doctor overspends? Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah, if, yeah, he, yeah. if he overspends, he was on Panadol, and now you're just on Tesco Prasil. <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, do you know I haven't heard of a doctor, you know, being um, struck off for overspending. I, I guess they'll just be more tighter on that. You know, there'll be tighter restrictions on the doctors prescribing. So as, us as pharmacists, we'll try and work with the doctor to say to them, actually, you keep on, you keep on prescribing this expensive drug. Yeah, Let's see if you can prescribe a cheaper alternative, yeah, that one sense. that's cost effective. So it's not that, you know, you just, have to, you just have to prescribe cheaper drugs. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to make sure that it's cost effective. But if the doctor is genuinely, you know, spending that amount, on drugs and nothing can be done yeah. then we have to look at ways of increasing the drug budget um, how can we get money and, and, that, and that kind of thing just hearing you said it's kind of it's kind of mad that you're thinking about the medicine that you're giving people as like cheaper alternatives because you just think they're giving you the one that works mm. but it, what so what would the, what's the impact of it being a cheaper alternative um do you know what it all comes down to um the cost and its effectiveness. Mm. Um, so when I say a cheaper alternative, I don't mean that, you know what, let's go for the cheapest drug possible. Mm. Um, but for example, 
like you've got your Panadol yeah. and you've got your Sainsbury's Paracetamol. Yeah. Now, if they both do the same thing, then let's go for the Sainsbury's Paracetamol. Got you, got and you, got you. A lot of the time, the NHS looks for the Sainsbury's Paracetamol. Because at the end of the day, um, there's a budget yeah. and you've got to keep within that budget, um, you will know the pressure that the yeah. NHS is yeah. under at the moment. So when I say cheap alternative, it's not like they're, you know, running around China, India, yeah. <laughs> trying to get, you know, the cheapest medication yeah. possible. But um, there, there's research that goes into it, then they publish guidelines um, based on evidence that actually, you know what, maybe go for this drug because actually it's, it's probably cheaper, mm. but it can produce the same outcomes. So um, one of the things I always like to ask is for for someone trying to get into uh, pharmacy today or become a pharmacist, are there different routes now that they can they, they can get into? Yeah. So um, there's the traditional method mm-hmm. where you can you know do your A levels. So you've got to do um, A levels in chemistry, maths. Those are the two main ones, and they ask for either. Um, biology mm. or physics um, but you can also do another A level if you wanted to but the two main A levels are uh, chemistry and maths um, the lowest grade you can get now is a B okay um, yeah lowest grade you can get now is a B um, whereas the top universities will be looking for students with A's um, so it's become much tougher to get into um, when I was applying I think you had to get two B's and a C Really? Yeah. So um, they've tightened up the grades. Um, but if you're able to achieve that, you get onto the four-year degree mm. and then do your national exam. Yeah. So that's the traditional route yeah. to practice in pharmacy. However, there are some unis that do a foundation course. Okay. So you do a one-year foundation course yeah. and then you go onto the pharmacy degree if you don't get the A-levels yeah. that are required. Yeah. Um, or you can do what I did, whereas you do pharmaceutical pharmaceutical science for one year and then switch over to pharmacy Um, but even if you don't get the grades that are required in the first year of pharmaceutical science you can actually finish the pharmaceutical science degree so for the bachelor of science is three years for the master of pharmaceutical science is four years and then you can go on to do the pharmacy degree if you want to Um, do you have to do a, a master's um, degree to get onto the course? No, no. You could just do bachelor's. So you could do the bachelor's on. for three years okay. and then jump onto the pharmacy degree. And even if you do that method, they'll probably let you jump onto second year rather than first because a lot of the modules that you've covered in the pharmaceutical science degree are repeated okay. in the pharmacy degree. Um, so you could probably do three years, three years. So, you, so uni is. So uni is necessary completely? Uni is necessary. At the moment, there's talks about doing an apprenticeship. It's pharmacy. Um, personally, I don't think that's going to work. And I think if they did that, it would probably be detrimental to the um, career and the profession itself. Um, because at the moment, to get into pharmacy, you need to go to university. But if you're saying that, do you know what? You don't need to. You can just practice and learn on the job. Yeah. Then I think it makes it more accessible to more people. Yeah. And then um, there's more people in the job market becomes more competitive, you know, um, employers can now maybe lower their salaries, which they're starting to do already anyway. Mm. Um, so basically cut corners on, on, on who's actually Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, if I'm an employer and I need a pharmacist, there's a, a graduate 
who's gone to university that's expecting a certain salary. Yeah. Or do you know what? I could just go for the apprenticeship. Or, sorry, the apprentice who's done the apprenticeship. Yeah. And who probably doesn't have the same salary expectations yeah. as the graduate, mm-hmm. but they've both learned the same thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's cheaper labour. Um, so that's that's one of the things that they're talking about. I, I don't think it's gonna go ahead, but you never know. Yeah. But at the moment, if you wanted to do pharmacy, mm. then you've got to go to university. There is another role called the pharmacy technician, um, which is quite a good role as well. Um, and basically that role kind of supports the pharmacist in hospital, in community. Um, so like your boots or your super drug or wherever. So you don't actually need to go to university for that. You just need to do a college course, which I think is about two years. Okay. Yeah, and you can do that. So wait, so you're working. So where are you working now? Let's, so you're you're in Maudsley Hospital. Yeah. So obviously that's a big that's a big jump from where you was before. Yeah. So yeah. this is more specialised in in psychiatry, mental health. Psychiatry. Mental health psychiatry. Yeah. So was that more? Why did you did you decide to go into a specialism, or was yeah. it just something where? Yeah. So at Chelsea, part of the program, because um, remember I said it's like a three-year course that you do alongside working. Part of the program is that you rotate through different specialities. Okay. So I did HIV, um, endocrinology, um, surgery, and I also got the opportunity to do mental health. Okay. And one thing I found about mental health was that you're more valued as a pharmacist. Okay. okay. Um, number one, and then number two. Um, there were a lot of opportunities in mental health because of the stigma around mental health. Um, you know, as soon as people hear a job in mental health, they're like, no, I don't want to do it, it's risky, mm, yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but actually, I enjoyed it, mm. and I found myself um, making more of an impact yeah. in mental health. So I said, you know what, that's the area that I wanted to go into. Mm. Job came up, which was in the end, local. Mm. So I thought, all right, you know what, let me apply for it. So you've been there for? I've been there for now five and a half years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so a long time, too <laughs> long, too long, wow, too long. Man. What are the challenges with being uh, a pharmacist in mental health? What kind of things you have to deal with? Like the wow. difference in um, For me, I'd say one of the main challenges is that um, getting people to see medication um, as a positive method of treatment. Um, one of the things about mental health is that a degree of patients don't have insight into their illness. Uh, when you start talking about things like schizophrenia, um, you know, they don't believe that they have schizophrenia or bipolar. Some people don't agree with the diagnosis of bipolar. Um, and trying to convince them that actually you need this medication to stay well, you need this medication to stay out of hospital, um, can be difficult and can be a challenge. So just being able to have that, you know, that dialogue with them um, can be, yeah, it, it can take a lot out of you. Okay. Uh, you know, I've had to deal with patients and their mothers yeah. like, shouting at me down yeah. the phone, like, why is my um, child or why is my, you know, wife or husband on this medication? You're trying to explain it to them, yeah. why they're on it, how it works and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm not even the person that puts them on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're, it's you're the consultant, consultant yeah. but they've prescribed it for them. And yeah. they, do you know if you've got any questions, just go and ask the pharmacist. You're kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, just trying to make it seem like, um, not even make it seem, but just trying to put the message across that actually the medication is 
there to help them, there is a benefit. Obviously, all medication has side effects. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we have to be honest as well and open and let them know that there are side effects. Yeah. And um, try and help them select a medication that works for them, but won't um, give them too many side effects. Um, so we have to sit down with them, explain the side effects to them, and then help them to make a, a decision, mm. uh, which can also be difficult in itself with someone who is mentally unwell. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the patients that I deal with have got schizophrenia. Okay. Um, so sometimes they don't have the capacity or the insight to be able to, uh, let's say, make a decision in their best interest. Um, that's not always the case, yeah. um, but sometimes it can be, especially the ones that are admitted into hospital due to being very unwell. Um, so that can be a challenge. Um, and especially when it's with your people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the people that are admitted into um, South London and Mosley Hospital are of the African or Caribbean community. And, you know, there's a stigma behind mental health and behind medication as well. Yeah. Um, so when they see a, a black man trying to give them medication, mm. you know, some some people might think, what, so you've joined, <laughs> you've, you've joined <laughs> uh, worse, the but... white man to come and poison me yeah. or, or that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you find it worse that you're black giving them medication or you don't yeah. think that, they think, okay, if you're black, then it's cool. No, 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 really. no. But a majority of the time, um, they think that well, why, why are you giving me this? Come on, man! You should know that our yeah. people we don't we don't take these medications. Mm-hmm. The medications don't agree with us, or they're trying to use us for research and that kind of thing. Um, but I I just try to um, flip it and say to them, look, do you know what? Like, I understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the challenges that you might have experienced growing up and that kind of thing. The stigma behind mental health in our culture and that kind of thing. And just try and come out come at it from that angle like you know i'm trying to help you i'm on your side yeah, i understand yeah, where you're coming from yeah. do you know what i mean and then try and give them an open and honest perspective about their medication there are some patients that i've told them do you know what i don't think medication's for you i don't yeah. think you, or i don't think you need to take medication long term yeah but there are some patients where i have to say yeah. you know this, yo this yeah this is the scenario i think you're going to be on medication long term yeah and i think when you can have an open and transparent conversation with them, mm. I think they appreciate it, yeah. especially when you're someone that looks like them, yeah. talks like them, yeah. you know, from the same country or mm. continent yeah. or area. Yeah. Um, I think they appreciate it more. Dope, dope, dope. So let's let's move on a bit from your um, um, pharmacist stuff. So you you're also a lecturer at university. Yeah. So yeah. you're a busy man, bro. So like, like, let's let's go let's dive into that and like. What do you teach or how is it? Um, So with the degree, what they try and do is have a number of people that are actually practicing um, to come back and tell the students what it's like and apply their practice to what they're learning in the classroom. Okay. Um, So that was pretty much it. Like at the time my form tutor, um, she was head of a module and then she dropped me an email like, yo, would you like to come back and um, get involved in some of the uh, workshops, seminars, and lectures. Mm. So I was like, yeah, cool, why not? Um, so I don't go too often mm. because I have to take my own, I have to take time off to go and do it. Okay. But um, I try and do it like four times a year, five times a year. Okay. Um, good. Yeah, we just go in, um, help them with exams, um, even mock exams, um, help them with workshops. Um, 
So literally they kind of set out the goals or the objectives that they want us to achieve. Um, sometimes the material is there already, mm. but you've just got to adapt it to your clinical practice yeah. and just help the students um, understand it from a perspective of someone who's actually on the field. Mm. Um, because, you know, a lot of the academics there, they're teaching them from a theory perspective, yeah. what's in the textbook. Mm. Um, whereas it helps to get someone who's on the ground yeah. um, that's saying, actually, do you know what? Although the textbook says this, this is another way you can look at it. Yeah. Or, you know what? Things don't actually always go according to how the textbook says it, and um, this is how you make your decision. So, so, so how do you like find it as a as a lecturer, like with the students, the interactions? Like, how how does that go? Yeah, it's good, you know. Um, it's interesting to be at the other end of the classroom yeah. um, because you know we were all once students looking at the whiteboard. Now um, you're behind the whiteboard. You're behind the whiteboard. Um, yeah, in front of the whiteboard. Yeah, and then um, learning from. Um, like past lecturers' mistakes, mm. you can make sure you don't repeat those mistakes. Yeah. Um, I think being the kind of person that I am, I can just go in there and I command a different kind of respect yeah. and just, you know, teach them what needs to be taught. Yeah. Um, whereas maybe some of the other lecturers might struggle, especially yeah, yeah. Um, with people or students from a different demographic. Yeah. But also, you can be real with them as well and not yeah. just teach them. Um, about you know pharmacy but you can also give them life experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. as well and i think for me that was a that was the key um, reason as to why i wanted to be a visiting lecturer mm. so that i can tell them about you know the things they don't tell you in the classroom Please. and then help them to not make the same mistakes that i did mm. and be able to you know excel in their pharmacy career cool so like i'm not gonna lie bro it just sounds like stress, bro. bro it's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so like, what, what's the, what's like, um, like in terms of like a team or like, like, oh, what am I trying to say? Like teamwork or like um, work office um, culture dynamics. Mm. Not maybe not so focused on a job, but maybe just outside banter and stuff like that. How's that like? Or is it everyone just so intense? Just all right, let, let, me, let me make Let's sure I count five people <laughs> six that type of. Do you know what? It, it varies. You know, it varies. Um, it depends on where you work. Okay. Um, there are some work environments which are chilled, relaxed. Maybe they've even got the radio on, mm. and they're doing their work. And there are some where you know, like the. What's your one like at the moment? So just like <laughs> at the moment where I am now, um, I'd say we're chilled, um, but we're we're also very focused when it comes to our work. Yeah. Um, so there's a time to play, mm. and there's also a time to you know concentrate and focus. Um, so you can have a life, you know, after work. Um, people can meet up and, you know, they, you can have banter. Okay. Um, but obviously it's got to be limited because at the end of the day, you're counting someone's tablets. Yeah. You know, you're looking at someone's prescription. And if you make a mistake, potentially that person could die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you can't be in there, you know, busting jokes with the next man like, yo, yo, yo. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's got to be, um, it's got to be, Limited. But in, in saying that, you know, people, people have a good time there. Um, you know, they talk about Love Island and yeah. whatever's going on, football and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the work culture, it, it depends where you are, but where I am now, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, yeah, man. Do you feel like there's anything you would do differently in your career if you had the opportunity? Ooh. <laughs> do you know what? Um, 
I could go back, I believe there's a reason for everything, isn't it? Mm. Um, but if I could go back, I would have probably gone on to do medicine. Okay. Um, after completing my um, national assessment, national exam, I would have probably gone on to do medicine. Wow. Um, just because there's, I would say there's more opportunities in medicine now. Um, the pharmacy market has become tough. Mm. Um, you know, it's very competitive. Um, in fact, I remember um, when I finished university, getting a, a training post was easy. Mm. You may not have got it in hospital, but you could have got it yeah. somewhere else. Whereas now, there are people that actually finish university and are not able to get a training post. Just because now, um, there are more pharmacy schools and pharmacy student places than there are training posts. Good. And there are more okay. training posts than there are jobs. Yeah. So it's made it very competitive. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, medicine, bro, there's jobs yeah. out there, yeah. out there, and you see it on the news. Like we don't, we don't have enough doctors, yeah. and because of that, the reward is greater. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong; it, it requires a lot because even after you finish your degree, um, again, there's a there's a training program yeah. which can range from about seven to 10, 12 years before you become a consultant. Mm. Um, but literally after you've done that and you've passed it, you could be on you know average hundred grand. Yeah. Apart from that, you can set up your own private clinic yeah. or private practice. Um, you can do a bit of research on the side. Um, so as a doctor, I feel like there's there's a lot more opportunities to to make money, mm-hmm. and it's easier for you to to get a job. Um, it's very autonomous as well. So you know, as as a doctor, as a consultant. I mean, what you say goes kind of thing. Yeah. You're in charge of your day when you see your patients and that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas with pharmacy, it's not so much like that. Yeah. Um, so if I could go back, I would have probably done medicine. Other than that, if I were to stick with pharmacy, um, maybe I would have considered going into industry as well. Um, just because I feel like in industry, there's a better work-life balance. When you work in NHS, yeah. um, the higher up you go, there's a lot more responsibility sure. and um, it's, it's not always rewarded in the best way possible. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, if I'm being honest, I don't think that the salary uh, matches the level of responsibility in pharmacy the higher up you go. Mm. Okay. Whereas if you're in industry, um, it's different. Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? If you're the public if, sector, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what I mean? If you're the final signatory yeah. in, private, for, in the industry, yeah. yeah, the private yeah. sector, you're there, they're paying you yeah, for that, yeah. do you know what I mean? Whereas, because there's not enough money in the NHS, yeah. there's more so people are trying to ask you or trying to palm off responsibilities to you, yeah, um, right. you know, in your current grade. You. So you're, you're doing more work now for the same amount of money. Got you. Same money yeah. Yeah. Is, is there still that opportunity for you to pivot to, to private? Or to um, pivot yeah, to yeah, yeah. To, to, to go into or industry, to go into industry, there is um, that opportunity there. Um, but to go into medicine, there is still that opportunity mm. there. But it means I've got to go back to uni. Yeah. Um, mm. And then once I've done that, do the training program. Yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so when, you, when you've got a daughter, you can't really, you've got mouth to feed, you can't really say, you know I mean, you could, you could make that sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think I'm in that position at the moment to be able to make that sacrifice. So at the moment, obviously, you, you, you started off your own company, innit? Yeah. So what's what's that about? How does that how does that link to, to your expertise? So do you know what? Um, 
as part of my role, I'm a non-medical prescriber. Okay. So I can actually prescribe medications for mental health illnesses. That's okay. what I mainly focus on. But I can also prescribe medications in areas or um, specialist areas that I'm comfortable with. Okay. Um, so one of the things that people tend to ask me about a lot of the time is where can I get my malaria tablets yeah. if I'm about to travel and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so after I did my prescribing course, um, I just thought, you know what, I can actually now provide like a, a service which is able to prescribe these anti-malarial medications for people. Um, and then I partnered up with a couple of pharmacies um, to supply these people with medications as well. So that's what we that's what we do at the moment. We're, uh, uh, can I say we're a concierge service. We're <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a concierge service. So, um, Legal though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, literally, um, we will um, find out where you're traveling to yeah. and what medications you require. Um, and then um, you know sort out the prescription for you, send it off to one of the partner pharmacies, and get it delivered to you. Um, and that the aim of that is you know the culture that we're in, people like convenience. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No one wants to take time off work. You know you've got 25, 27, 30 days annual leave in a whole year. You don't take one day to go to a doctor to prescribe you medication, and then to wait in the pharmacy for the medication to come, or to travel around trying to get the medication. So the idea is that you know we bring convenience to you, um, and you know all for a a cost-effective price. Mm. <laughs> you know I, mean, I mean, you can plug away, bro. You can plug away, bro. Yeah, that's the essence of the business, really. Okay. Um, so, in addition to that, we also try and source medications for people as well, mm. um, not just in um, you know the area of travel. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we will try and source it for you. Mm. Uh, for example, we've got people abroad. Let's okay. say you live in Dubai yeah. um, or in Ghana, Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who require um, medications um, when they come over here. Yeah, um, got you. So what we'll try and do is partner them up with a doctor mm-hmm. that can see them, assess them, mm-hmm. and then um, continue the medications for them. Sure. So, yeah. so how does someone require these these services? Um, so the best way to do it is to email us. Um, that's the best method to get in contact with us. So our email address is info at medsolutions.org.uk. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can visit our Instagram page mm-hmm. and just drop us a DM and then um, someone will get back to you. What's the Insta? Insta is medsolutions. Yeah, at medsolutions. Okay, cool. Um, do, you have, do you have an answer to the email question? That's it. Well, I've asked so many yeah, questions. Yeah, so yeah. like, all right, cool. Like, then expect you to divulge, but at the same time, with a mind. But so, what's what's the what's the piece that she said, like in from like in, in your trade at the moment, mm. or even when when you first entered your, your first job? Okay, so I would say the average salary um, when you first start, I'd say is about twenty to twenty two k during your training year. Okay. Yeah. So depending on where you manage to get a post, you can earn anything from about 18 to about 24 okay. a year. Um, I think some places, if you manage to get a hospital, you might get a little bit more than that, actually, yeah. maybe 25, 26. Um, as a practicing pharmacist, average salary, I'd probably say at the moment is about 40K. Okay. Um, 
and that's that's even after maybe three four years of experience really okay yeah when you first start now it's about 30k okay um when i qualified when you first start you're looking at maybe like 34 yeah but now as i said because it's so competitive yeah it's gone down so you're looking at about 30k maybe after about five years yeah you can get that up to about 40k Mm. and um yeah, depending on what you do. I mean, if you go into like a, a leadership role, yeah. um, you can go beyond that 40k. Mm. <laughs> um, but for me, I feel like the ceiling in pharmacy is quite low. Okay. Yeah, um, again, as I said, especially for the amount of responsibility you take on as yeah, you go higher sure. up the ladder. Sure. Don't get me wrong, if you become a chief pharmacist, yeah. you can be on 90 to 100k. Yeah. Mm. Um, do you know what I mean? But, then again, you're responsible for the whole running of the pharmacy department. Yeah. That requires late nights, yeah, weekends, yeah, traveling yeah, up and down yeah, the country. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily get to have a good work-life balance, mm. which for someone like me is important. Um, so I would say, yeah, the average at the moment, let's say after about five years of experience, I'd say about 40 to 50K. Yeah. But if, if you're smart and you think outside the box, you can make more you're than that. Up. Yeah, you can make more than that. So, wasn't that email question? Oh, it was the it was the work life it was the work life balance email question. So you you, you kind of touched on it um, um, in what you just said. So um, as far as like outside of work and um, like relationships, family. You mentioned yeah. you have a daughter. Like, do you feel like your work impacts on? On, on those things, obviously you, you, you do lecturing and you have yeah. on, on your own business, like does your work impact? Or how did it when you was training and etc. Like, so did you feel like you missed out on certain things? Yeah, so? yeah, definitely. So um, I had I had my daughter when I was in last year of uni. Mm. That's like your dissertation year, yeah. final mm. year. Like your performance in that year mm. pretty much makes up your grade. Mm. Um, so university was in Hertfordshire. Yeah. I um, lived in Hertfordshire in Hatfield. Um, my daughter was in London. So that first year of her life, pretty much, I was at university. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, that was a that was a sacrifice I had to make, um, which I could have probably done it a bit better. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're young at the time. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yo, I gotta get the grade that I need to get so that I can get a job, so I can yeah. get paid. So I had to make um, that sacrifice then. And then um, in my training year, again, it was pretty much work and study because at the end of the day, your performance in that assessment determines whether the last four years have been worth it or not. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that assessment, you only get three attempts. Okay. If you fail all three attempts, which I know people, I know people who have, mm. if you fail all three attempts, you can't practice as a pharmacist at all. At all. Nice. Full stop. Full stop. Okay. Like you can, you can do work in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. But as a pharmacist, they, they can't trust you. No. Yeah. No. Um, so again, that was that was important for me. So where people had you know got their graduate jobs and were just working and then after meeting up for drinks, mm. I couldn't do that. Mm. You know, I had to you know meet up with people that I used to go to uni with to study and um, look through past papers and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, my first job at Chelsea Westminster Hospital, that was a killer mm. on my work-life balance because I was doing night shifts, weekend shifts. That was crazy. Yeah. Like, literally, I remember going to christenings, um, let's say in the morning, and having to leave at 2 or 3 p.m. 
before the after parties even started, just to go and start like the evening shift yeah. at work. Yeah. Um, I remember like finishing on a Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Mm. I've just done a night shift, you know, finishing at 8 a.m. and literally having to go home, shower, change, just to go to church, yeah. finish church, maybe get a couple of hours sleep yeah. to come back to and work. do another night shift. Right. Um, plus you're studying as well, so yeah. that, had, that had a great effect on my work-life balance. But you know, when you're young, you can kind of just get on with it. Mm. And then I think, um, as, I, as I got older, um, the work-life balance didn't change, but it started to have an effect on me, mm. a negative effect. Um, and I had to get to a point where I said, you know what, no. Yeah. Like, I have to get this balance right. If not, you know, I'm just going to be one of those people that's just on a treadmill, working, yeah, working, yeah, working, yeah. you know, and you're not getting that balance right within and you're working basically till you die. Mm. And one of the things that my dad said to me was, don't kill yourself because you're working. You know? yeah. Kill yourself because of work. That day they'll say, oh, he was a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks time, there'll be someone else yeah. in your role yeah. doing the work they would have forgotten about you. Yeah. So now, for me, that work-life balance, is important. Mm. Don't get me wrong, to excel in your career, you have to put in the hours. Mm. You have to go the extra mile, but there's a, there's a limit on that for me. So for example, if I finish work at 5.15 or 5.30, the latest I'm staying behind is until 6.30. Yeah. yeah. If I've got work to do, maybe I'm gonna come in a little bit earlier mm. and start at 8.30 instead of 9. Yeah. But I've, I've got my limits. Yeah. I've got my days where I say, do you know what? No, you know, you have to, be able to delegate work, yeah. which I think for me was a bit difficult at first because when you're the only black boy in your work, you're trying to impress people. Yeah. So when they're giving you work, you're just saying, okay, yeah, I'll do okay, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll do it. But nah, man, you, you've, got to find, you've got to find that balance. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, when you first start, you can't go in there and be like, oh, you know what? Because some people go out with the attitude and it's wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you finish work at 5.30, 529 your jacket's on yeah you're walking out the door <laughs> walking out the door when when there's work to be done you're like yeah. bye guys some people are even saying bye they're just sneaking out the door like, do you know what i mean Man. but um yeah you do have to put in the extra hours of you know if you want to be a cut above the rest mm. but then for me there's limits now there's, there's limits do you think that that would have impacted you like for example we've had guests on here like who who see it as like they have other goals like getting married and stuff like that. Do you think that would have impacted you? Like in that way, would you have got married sooner? Or like, how, how do you see it? Or, or did you have a goal like, um, I'm gonna work until I'm a certain age and then slow down and do whatnot? Um, in regards to your first question, I don't think I would have got married sooner. Right. I think there's a little day and time for everything. Yeah. Um, but in my head, I did have that plan that year. I'm mm. gonna work until a certain time mm. because um, I want to be a family man. Yeah. So by the time you know I start a family, even though I started already, but by the time I get married, yeah. And you know I have like more kids, good stuff. I want to be able to um, have a an influence in my children's upbringing. I want to yeah, be able sure. to drop them off at school, pick yeah. them up, attend you know um, parents' evenings, sure. attend their players' assemblies, and that mm. kind of thing. And I feel like the only way you can do that is if you are of a certain, or at a certain level 
in your workplace. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be someone senior in order to be able to command your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. In order to say, actually, you know what? I've got to pick my child up. So yeah, I'm leaving yeah, yeah, at 3.30. Yeah. yeah, I'm going kind of thing and delegate it to someone else. Mm. So the plan for me was, you know, do the course um, at Chelsea, do the non-medical prescribing course, mm. like um, get into management, yeah. um, do the MBA so that at least, you know, in a few years time, I'm at a level yeah, where can I can, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm in charge of my day, I'm mm. a bit flexible. Mm. That way I can have that, that balance, right? Because for me, my career is just a source of income. Yeah, sure. But um, I don't think that's my, my purpose. Yeah, great. Do you know what I mean? But we, we won't get into that. But yeah, that's why I feel like the balance has got to be correct. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, there's going to be a time where, you know, no, it's true. We got to go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I don't want to be one of those people where I'm on my deathbed and I'm like, right, you know, I wish I did this, I wish sure. I did that. Sure. And all my life is just literally been building up someone else's empire mm. working for the government, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, even even if you don't get to start your own business or something like that, your, your children are your seed. You know, the influence that you have on people determines what they become in the future, sure. do you know what I mean? And if, even if you're not here, they're going to remember the impact that you had on their life, mm. do you know what I mean? And that's the opportunity. Mm. The time that we have now is our opportunity to have influence, have impact on people mm. and to do other things, you know, um, build a legacy, um, build a foundation for your wife, for your children. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't do that if I'm at work from nine till nine. Yeah, yeah. got it. Yeah, that's that's a point. That's the reason why I asked the email question. You know, just to give, because mm. obviously some like we get guests from a, a range of of career paths and etc. Some people are just like the work is is, is what they enjoy and love. Yeah, and that's what that's what defines them as a person. Some people. Just actually just said see it as an income yeah. and like okay so what's what is more um wouldn't say beneficial but what's more important to them right yeah. balance or as a you know holistic view yeah or yeah. it's just a career type of thing you know, so yeah it, yeah like you said i think you're right it varies for different people I, I mean for me my my job or my career doesn't define me mm. do you know what i mean so um i don't feel like i should focus all my attention and all my energy Mm. on my career yeah. whereas for someone else that's you know that, that's their thing that's yeah. where they find their identity yeah. so obviously if that's where it is then you're gonna have to invest your time in there yeah um, yeah so it's, it's, it's just different it's just different for different people and it also depends on the sector that you work in for example i've got a friend that's a, that's a, a solicitor mm. like that's my bro and literally like we used to live together and his hours were mad mm. you know he would be in the office from 9.30 to 2 a.m., 2.30 a.m. Not, not necessarily because he loves his work, although he enjoys being a solicitor, but that's what the work demands. That's what it requires, do you know what I mean? So in, in that field, you can't say, I'm leaving at 5.30, yeah. even though they pay you till 5.30 because there's work to be done. Mm. If you want to move up the ladder, you've got to get the work done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it also depends on what sector you're in. On the, on the same vein as, um, well, we didn't even touch on your MBA, but um, obviously you you started Daddy Series podcast. Do you want to talk about that? What's it about? Yeah. Why you started it? Wow. So that, the Daddy Series podcast, um, basically the idea came about um, 
from myself and a few of my friends um, having similar experiences in terms of being a father um, at a young age, mm. um, especially when you're not together with the mother of the child. Yeah. And literally, the themes were pretty much the same when we, when we used to get together and talk about our experiences. Um, and what's crazy was there were people out there that, that I would meet on a day-to-day -day basis that were going through the same experiences, but you wouldn't even know because mm. they tend not to talk about it. Right. For some reason, men tend to not talk, talk, yeah. talk mm. you know, about their experiences, about their emotions kind of thing. Mm. So um, I was literally talking with one of my friends at Vesco and the idea came about, you know what, like, I think people would benefit from hearing our experiences mm. and that should help them to make certain decisions and not make the mistakes that we made. Um, so we started the Daddy Series podcast um, in 2018. Mm. Um, it was literally just me and him getting guests to come in and share their experiences, uh, female guests as well, mm. um, just to share their experiences um, on co-parenting. And yeah, literally it, it just started as something that we thought, oh yeah, you know what, let's just get together and talk about it. Sure. But there was a lot of interest from it yeah. and there were people that could relate to what we were discussing. Mm. And um, yeah, we've just um, been doing it since. We kind of took a break, I'd say from maybe last summer till about now. Um, there are things that we want to do um, in terms of moving the podcast forward, mm. but it's just finding that time, yeah. finding that time to do it. Um, my friend that I was doing with, he was away for a bit as well, um, working in another country. He's back now, so hopefully this year we should be able to get it back um, up and running again, man. Cool. So yeah, make sure you guys tune into the Daddy Series podcast. That's what you need to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So um, we've got our Instagram page, the Daddy Series, and you can also um, listen to episodes on SoundCloud as well and iTunes, just search the Daddy Series podcast. Oh, dope, dope, dope. So, yeah, we appreciate you coming and, and joining us, Kwame. Um, um, how can people like get in touch with you or reach out to you? Um, pretty much through the socials. So mm. you can just at me on Instagram um, as the plantain connoisseur. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Mad. Alright, yeah. say that. Um, That's not a taste. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you can hit me up um, on there really. I, I've got a Twitter page, but I don't really use it that much. I can't even remember what mine is. But, uh, LinkedIn? Yeah, I've got LinkedIn as well. So um, just search Kwame Pepper. And um, yeah, if you've got any questions about pharmacy or mm. just in life in general, um, I'm always happy to talk to people, share my experiences. Um, so yeah, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. Mm. And um, yeah, man, LinkedIn or Instagram. Dope, dope, cool. dope. Yeah, so this is the Instexons podcast. Thank you for listening. Boom. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Hey, man, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. All right. So, wrap. Right.